Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome to Buckeye Talk. It is Thursday, May 19th. Because it's a Thursday, you know that is the rebranded day for the rebranded Buckeye football futures. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com. He's Stephen Means. We've been going kind of position by position each week talking about how Ohio State got to this point on its roster through recruiting and where it's going with recruiting at each of those spots. We've done running backs. We've done receivers. So go check those out the last couple of weeks. This week we're flipping to the other side of the ball. We are talking about defense, and we are talking specifically about linebackers and the bullet position. And that's an important distinction to make because they are not linebackers, technically. They are actually right now – Going into the fall of 2021 and through the spring, the spring that we just had, the bullet contenders for Ohio State were working with the safeties. But, Stephen, why should we talk about bullets at the same time we're talking about linebackers on a recruiting podcast? Yeah, I think it's just because now that we know what the bullet is in terms of a human being, like we've always known what it was. It was a hybrid between a linebacker and a safety. They've been saying that for two years. Now that we see – human beings playing the position and we saw Craig Young his body type a guy who leans linebacker with safety skills but we also see Ronnie Hickman who's a safety with some linebacker ability we can approach it in a certain way okay what room gets the it's impacted the most by the by recruiting this position and playing it on the field ideally Ohio State's in a 425 at this point right there only there's going to be two inside linebackers and then there's going to be a bullet so because, of, because you're only playing two inside linebackers, you're probably recruiting less linebackers or one of the people you're, you're recruiting who's probably classified as a linebacker isn't going to be playing linebacker by the time he gets here. He's going to be playing that bullet position, just like with Craig Young. He was recruited here as a linebacker, but now he's playing that. And so if we were going to talk about the bullet, we have to talk about it with the position where it's most impacted as far as playing time for a different position, but also how they recruit that position. So it only makes sense naturally to still talk about the bullet with the linebackers, even though when we did see the bullet, they were practicing with the safeties that day. So you bring up the four, two, five thing. We had a question for our Hey Buckeye Talk segment about that, that I answered earlier this week. And I don't think I articulated one part of that very well, which is it's still hard for me to call what Ohio state is doing a true four, two, five to me. 
a, that or a three-three-five. those things are when you're putting five clear defensive backs on the field. This to me is more like a four, two, one, four. And it gets, yeah. I, you can't really do that. I suppose you have to call it one or the other, but if, for instance, if Craig Young plays more snaps than anybody else at bullet this year, that's not that different than just having a four, three, four. It's, it's, it is different, but it's not significantly different. I think if someone were like Ronnie Hickman were to play all those snaps, then it does feel like more like a four, two, five. We're getting into a, a bit of a semantic argument, but I think the other point you're making is an important one, which is right now, Ohio state pulls one linebacker out and sends him off with the safeties. They already had court Williams kind of floating when he was healthy floating around. And then you got Ronnie Hickman as a safety still working with the safeties, but designated as a bullet. And then all the other linebackers get crammed into two spots. And that's where I'm really intrigued going forward is what does that do? We've always talked about how does the idea of the bullet affect Ohio State recruiting in terms of are they identifying an athlete that fits that spot and going after them? I do. I am curious how it affects their linebacker recruiting now that if you start to take linebacker recruiting and focus it just on the two inside spots – where you're oftentimes looking for a different kind of athlete than you are at that Sam outside spot. Does Ohio State now just not recruit certain kinds of outside linebackers? Does it focus those two interior spots on a, on a more specialized kind of athlete? I think it does. And the way they've kind of gone after the linebacker room in 2022, some of that is because they locked in on guys so early that they didn't need to offer anybody else. Cause I mean, you got C.J. Hicks, Gabe Powers, and Desan McCullough within four months of each other before things with before things changed, obviously. But if you, if you look at it from that perspective, you got C.J. Hicks is the guy who probably most projects out to a bullet it, of those three guys when they were all here. If you had to choose one, he's probably I mean he's six foot three, he's two hundred and twenty pounds, and going to see him play at Archbishop Alter, he plays everywhere. They use him as an edge rusher sometimes because he's their their best athlete. There were times where he was a single high safety. Most of the time he was at linebacker. He was covering tight ends. He's just, he's his team's best athlete to use him all those ways. But you saw that translating to the next level. Desan McCullough was just more of a freak. So you could have just used your imagination with a guy like that. While Gabe Powers, he's 6'4", 230. But if you look at his frame, I won't be surprised if at some point he ends up with his hand in the dirt. I'm not I won't be shocked if he doesn't, but he's clearly an inside linebacker, will linebacker type of guy who physically could grow into a defensive end if he keeps growing the same way we saw with Cade Stover before he ultimately ended up as a tight end. He started off as a linebacker and then ended up in the defensive line room. And so maybe that's how they go after it. And now if you look at the guys who are left to replace this uh, Desan McCullough, Sean Murphy, that's an, he's literally an inside linebacker. He's a Mike linebacker and for a long time was a top inside linebacker. He's since slid down to number two, but still a five-star level talent. And then Justin Medlock, another inside linebacker. Those are the remaining options to replace Desan McCullough at linebacker, and they're both inside guys already. Before we get too far into those 2022 guys, because we are going to talk a little bit more in depth about them later, but I wanted to reset the room and talk about how we got to the linebacker group that Ohio State has right now. If you go back to the group that just left, so you had four seniors going out at the same time, and they were in part a byproduct of the last times Ohio State has signed a five-star linebacker. So Justin Hilliard in 2015, Baron Browning in 2017 was actually the nation's highest-ranked linebacker, the only five-star linebacker in the country that year signed with Ohio State. So there was a time when – 
Ohio State was right there among the best in the country or, or at signing the, the very best players in the country at that position. And then this is how the room came together and, and how this current room came together. Because like I said, all those guys are gone. So 2018, Taraja Mitchell, almost a three-star. He was a four-star, but ranked number 44. Dallas Gant, a four-star, ranked number 166. Kayvon Pope, a four-star, ranked 217. Javante Jean-Baptiste was also listed as an offensive line, outside linebacker in that class, but was always pegged as a, a future defensive end, which is where mm-hmm. he's turned out to play. 2019, Cade Stover, a four-star, ranked 114. Ronnie Hickman, a four-star, ranked 115. Tommy Eichenberg, a four-star, ranked 327. Craig Young, a three-star, ranked 609. Cody Simon, a four-star, ranked 75. This is 2020. uh, Cody Simon, four-star, 75. Court Williams, a four-star, ranked 166. Already come up in the bullet conversation. Mitchell Melton, a four-star, ranked number 350. And in 2021, Reed Carrico, a four-star, ranked number 86. He was with the early enrollees, so he has already been on campus and working out and playing this spring. We've talked before about the the impact Al Washington's had on recruiting, and we're seeing that in 2022. We'll come back to that in a minute. It feels like 2021 is going to tell us a lot about Al Washington's impact as a developer. I know he already had some impact. The guys who left last year talked about the positive influence he had. I think that was especially noticeable in Baron Browning, but all those guys have talked about him being a positive influence on their careers in the times that they were here, those, those past two years, I suppose, 2019 and 2020 seasons. But again, you got a couple five stars in that group. Pete Werner being a, a second round pick and was already a starter. Tough Borland was already starting by the time Al Washington came into the program. So what will 2021 tell us and how important do you think maybe having success in 2021 with this group can be on how they recruit this position in the future. Yeah. I think at least one of, one of those guys has to hit in that 2018 class, right? Because obviously we've had our discussions about who we think might be the starters, but we're all collectively in agreement that Taraja Mitchell is going to be the starting will linebacker. I don't think anybody is attesting to that. And that's, as you said, number 44 player and the number two line inside linebacker in his class. Yeah. They've been blocked for, for, King, since kingdom come basically but now when you talk about developing they had bill david for one year and they've had al washington now for three years and so that that should take precedent over whatever bill davis did to mess up baron browning's trajectory or whatnot that he was on while he was here as a five-star linebacker who had to deal with that for two for two seasons they only had to deal with it for one and so we are going to see we're either going to find out man, Taraja Mitchell should have been playing a long time ago. Or we're going to find out the exact reason for why he was – that he wasn't blocked, and we're going to find out exactly why he wasn't playing for the past three years. And that's a lot of pressure to put on one kid. But that, that's – he's the only one where right now we can all come to agreement that he's going to be a starter this year. And so it, 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 there is a lot resting on Taraja Mitchell to kind of hit as a top 50 recruit, even if it is as a late bloomer a little bit. So building a roster is obviously a combination of recruiting and development. And – as I mentioned before, Justin Hilliard was a five-star in 2015. Baron Browning was a five-star in 2017. And then Ohio State went through a fairly long period, at least relative to Ohio State standards, where they didn't get a five-star at that position. And I've sort of spoke, pushed back against this five-star bust mentality, but I thought this was kind of a, a, a stark contrast here. So from 2018 through 2021 – Georgia had four five-star linebackers. Clemson and Oregon had two apiece. Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Maryland, Penn State, and USC all had one. That USC 
linebacker, by the way, his name is Pale Gayatote. That's probably not even correct. I've been struggling to spell it, let alone pronounce it. He has obviously been mentioned as a potential transfer to Ohio State, which is something to keep an eye on, but not necessarily what we're talking about today. But that tells you, so that's four, eight, 10, 16 five-star linebackers in that four-year period. Ohio State didn't get any of them. So on one hand, you want, you want to say, okay, that's 16 players. They're obviously getting five stars at other places. It might have been harder to draw a five-star when you had guys like Pete Werner and Tuff Borland and Baron Browning that are locked in the starting positions for the next two or three years in some of those years. But do you think it says something about Ohio State that it seems to be trending back towards a time where they're going to be maybe more regularly playing at that level for that position in recruiting? Yeah, I think Al Washington has been in those conversations in those rooms since he's gotten here. I remember MJ Sherman, the number who was a five-star for a long time during his recruiting process. It came down to Georgia and Ohio State before he ultimately picked Georgia and obviously ended up just being a four-star. But I remember just Al Washington, with that, that first cycle when Washington was here, he was in those conversations. It was just, he was new. And a lot of these guys were committing in the spring and the summer, and they were still getting to know the entire defensive staff for Ohio State, which is why you didn't see a lot of commitments there until maybe late June and July. But, yeah, I think it's a combination of that. But then also they've just had the benefit of a lot of these guys being in their backyard. Let's just be honest here. Gabe Powers was a five-star, and he was the number one outside linebacker in his class when he first committed to Ohio State. And initially he was going to put it off because he wanted to see a visit. But after about two weeks of that mindset, decided, no, this is where I want to be. Let's not put this off a whole other year, banking on things changing. And he committed. Now he's down to a four-star, but the idea of he was a five-star talent who could potentially be that again by signing day, and he lives 45 minutes from you, you're supposed to get that guy. C.J. Hicks it just got his five-star and is now a top-20 player, which after seeing him play in person, that makes sense. He's a five-star guy who lives 45 minutes away from you. You're supposed to get that guy. Desan McCullough, listen, he's not rated as one, but that's a freak, and everybody knows it, and that's a guy who could potentially – be a, a, a high four-star, borderline five-star who ends up being a first-round pick. And if his dad wasn't at Indiana right now, he'd still be in Ohio State's class. So, right, it's a it's a little bit of both, right? Al Washington's a pretty quality recruiter, but also with this 2021 class, there's been some benefit of you just have to go on a 40-minute car, car ride to go get the five-star down the street. So it, getting a guy like Sean Murphy would really tell the tale of the tape whether – they're really back into that, that mix of getting five stars or not. How do these guys talk about Al Washington? When you talk to Reed Carrico or CJ Hicks, Gabe Powers, the most recent commitments, how do they talk about Al Washington? I don't want to say he's a younger Larry Johnson because he's not. And that's just trying that's I think that's a lazy way of putting it, but they don't actually talk that much football. And I think that's how, you know, the defensive end recruits will talk about Larry Johnson is he really knows what he's talking about when we're talking about linebacker play and football play and all that stuff. But that's not what the basis of their conversations are. It's everything but that. It's life. It's personal stuff. It's school. It's 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 encouraging these guys to be leaders, which is why you saw what CJ and Desan were doing and Gabe to a lesser extent. He's not as vocal as those guys, but he does his part. That's why you see those guys being the leaders that they are. Cause that, that's initiated by Al Washington. And I, CJ Hicks told me that it, it got to a point with those two where it was like, Hey, 
these are the guys you need to be focused on. It was kind of guided at one point back when it was really dead and, like, the coaches really couldn't contact guys unless there was a phone and Zoom call. And most of this, most of the conversations come through the recruits anyway. So it was really a guided way of going about things. And so it, it, it's, it's not quite Larry Johnson level yet because it's not the father figure aspect of it because Larry Johnson's in his 60s and he's coaching people and they're 18, 19, 20 years old. But it is an aspect of, you know, the same type of relationship there where we don't talk a lot about football, but when we do, he really knows what he's talking about, but he encourages you to kind of step up as a leader and empower CJ Hicks to be the type of guy he is right now. We're going to take a break right there. We're going to come back and talk more about this 2022 group and what it does next. And then what could be coming in 2023 and especially how the bullet changes all of that. You're listening to Buckeye talk. All right, we are back on Buckeye Talk, talking linebackers, talking bullets, and talking recruiting here on the BFF podcast. Steven, you already kind of gave us a quick rundown on on, on uh, both of those guys, I guess, and exactly what they bring to the table. Why do you think Ohio State was so quick to act on them and why they were so quick to act on Ohio State and get locked in so early? Yeah, I think with those two specific, the son too, even though he's gone, it's the the versatility and the possibility of what they can be. And I mean, you hear them talk about it all the time, but you know that's not always the case. Where it's like we want guys to be interchangeable, play, be able to play all three positions, yada yada yada. That's usually just coach talk. I think with C.J. Hicks and Gabe Power, now once they start playing a position when they get on campus, that's going to be their position, right? They're not going to be playing bullet one position and then playing will linebacker on the next on the next snap that's not how this works but when you get here from scratch one you can try them out at mike at will at sam at bull you can try them out all over the place because of what their builds are but then also what their athletic ability is and i think sometimes there are some recruits where you can just look at them and go especially with linebackers it always seems like you can go that's a Will linebacker. That's a Mike linebacker. That's a Sam linebacker. And when they're not playing that position, it looks weird. And you're always going, man, he would look so much better over here. Baron Browning, right? We spend his whole career going, man, what if he was just a Will linebacker instead of a guy who was developing and becoming a versatile linebacker? Well, I don't think we'll be doing that with CJ and Gabe. We'll, we'll, they'll make, they'll, what if one of them is playing Mike and we're thinking the whole time, if you just let that guy play Will and let him run free and go see ball, get ball, they kind of plug into wherever they, – they fit everywhere. And I think that's the in, – in 2021 football, you need your linebackers to, to be that from day one before you pigeonhole them in anywhere. You need to be able to look at them and go, I can put them anywhere on the field and feel comfortable with it. But I think that's what's interesting because if they commit to the bullet, there really isn't a Sam anymore. I know that can be a, a semantic argument. So do you, do you never see a situation in the future where you have what Pete Werner did this past – two seasons which was start at Sam for two years and then move all the way over to Will and play a very different position um, that's going to be an even less likely transition in the future it would seem like just because he wouldn't even be working in the linebacker room yeah I, I don't think the Sam exists anymore unless we're playing Wisconsin and then there's probably a Sam linebacker on the field I've, because the, what you're basically asking is are is Craig Young going to be playing the bullet this year and then next year is he going to be playing Will no because that's a whole different body type Pete Warner was a linebacker who also could do some safety stuff so you took advantage of that because you didn't want to throw out a bullet when maybe guys weren't ready to play it and your only option at it was uh 
Brendan at the time, Brendan White at the time. You probably didn't feel comfortable with it. And it's the same thing last year, which is why you put Pete Warner at will and you felt comfortable putting Baron Browning at Sam is because these guys lost the whole, yeah, the whole spiel. We don't need to go down that well anymore. But just the fact that you felt comfortable enough with your linebacker doing that job because you didn't feel comfortable with guys who are probably being developed to play that position, you weren't comfortable with it yet. Now that you're comfortable with that side of it, the linebacker who's the bullet more – you're probably not putting that line, even though he is a linebacker body, you're probably not going to see a Craig Young playing a Will linebacker at some point in his career. If CJ Hicks comes in here and they put him at the bullet, I'm not expecting in 2024 when he's, a, what would that be? His junior year, he's flipping over to the Will linebacker spot. I just expect him to be the bullet. And so that's going to be the difference here is because you don't have actual linebackers playing it, you have linebackers who are also doing safety things or you have safety who are also doing linebacker things. That What we saw with Pete Warner I don't think happens again. Before we go into what's coming next or what will still develop for 2022, I want to reach back to someone you just mentioned, which was Craig Young. There's actually someone else you just mentioned that I'm going to come back to a little bit later. But Craig Young, uh, as I mentioned before, in the 2019 class, Ohio State signed four players who now qualify as either linebackers or bullets because you had Cade Stover, who was number 114, Ronnie Hickman, number 115, Tommy Eichenberg, number 327. Those are all four stars of, of varying degrees. And then Craig Young was a three-star, 609, but was definitely more of just an athlete, was a guy that they saw raw athletic, potential and he was going to play somewhere on the defensive side of the ball I think almost certainly from the time that they got him uh, but a fast guy uh, has a frame that they thought they could project and now as it stands going into you know two years later he might be the starter at that spot on opening day uh, on September 2nd at Minnesota what does that or what can that tell us should that tell us anything about how state how Ohio State looks at that bullet position in the future? Could it be a position where you take some chances on some more raw guys just because of the very kind of unique athletic traits that you want from that position where a guy who before was seen as a tweener, a guy before who was like, well, he's okay. He's fast and looks like he'll be um, big, but is he, does he have this, this, this that would make him a linebacker? Or a guy who before was like, well, he's got the size that you would want of a safety, but maybe he's not quite fast enough to be a free safety, whatever. Do you start to take guys who have that kind of raw hodgepodge of things and find an easier spot on your roster for them as a, as a bullet? I think there's going to be a combination of those two things. I think the bullet, because of what it is, you might, the star at some, in Alabama, it's the star, it's the Viper at Michigan. That's the one position where you're, you're right. The ceiling is so high on what it can be. So maybe you can take some hidden gems, which is what Craig Young is as a three-star guy in the 600s, while also pairing that with a guy like what Desan would have been. Except Desan's the same build as him, and he's the top 100 version of that. Sonny Styles in the 2023 class, uh, number 23 player in the country, number one safety, who he's 6'4", 200. So same build. He's the five-star version of that. So yeah, I, I, I do think there's a combination at every position though, right? There's a lot of positions in football where there's a five-star version of whatever you're looking for, but then there's also maybe a developmental, you know, guy of that same position where and I think you take both you take the Craig Young guy but you also 100% need to go get the Sonny Styles version of that because you need a guy where in year two you're expecting him to just take over the role but you also need you know some depth and Craig Young gives you that depth because obviously 
that guy's going to outplay that 609 ranking, obviously. Even if he's just an okay player, he's going to be better than the number 609 player in the country, and I think Ohio State knows that. And so, Or maybe it was a situation where Craig Young wasn't playing that type of position in high school, so you really weren't sure how to rank him, which is where rankings can get tricky sometimes. Desan and Sonny are playing that exact role, and I asked Sonny this exact question. Hey, who on that defense who do they think they want you to be? And he said, Craig Young. That's exactly who I'm supposed to be. So Sonny Styles will be coming if he chooses Ohio State. He is not committed yet, but it's just – most people think he is going to as the best player in the state and a five-star guy from Ohio. He's playing that position already, so maybe he's a little bit more developed in a, in a way that Craig Young wasn't. Because you have to remember, the guy who was recruiting Craig Young was Kevin Wilson, who's a tight ends coach, who a great recruiter, but he's a tight ends coach. Craig Young wasn't playing this hybrid role in, college, in high school, so maybe there was some developmental things there that weren't going to take place with guys going forward. I mean, as much as I sort of speak that out there as, as maybe that would be a, a position to take some chances with, I also think it's not like Ohio State invented the hybrid linebacker safety. In right. fact, they're even a little bit behind the wave here as far as establishing it. I know it has been around like lingering as an idea at Ohio State for a couple of years, but they haven't put it into practice purely, really. I mean, Pete Werner, you can get into a semantic argument, I suppose, about whether he was when he was the outside linebacker. But – what I'm saying is I think that the way that recruiting rankings are assessed is also probably going to change a little bit. And I think that as more teams adopt this idea of that hybrid linebacker position, I think that starts to weave its way into the rankings now. And people will see that those guys will probably get ranked accordingly because more teams will say, no, he's not a tweener. Uh, he's exactly what we're looking for at that position. In fact, we, he could be great. I think that's something that'll, an adjustment that'll happen if it's not already starting to happen. It'll be that, but then also you have to pay attention to people's sizes and what their you know, builds are when you're looking at outside line, guys who are classified as outside linebacker, safety, or athlete. Because, let's, I mean, Craig Young was listed as an athlete. You know, uh, Sonny Styles is listed as a safety. Desan McCullough is listed as an athlete, but we've been calling him a linebacker ever since so those three different guys who are the same build who regardless of where they ended up we're going to be doing the exact same thing with three totally different classifications but at the end of the day they are the bullet so maybe we're just at a point where we just need to just as a football community decide what this position is going to be called universally and then we can just start classifying kids as that instead of having a linebacker a safety and an athlete who are all the same thing they're just different classifications so, as we've already mentioned a couple times, Ohio State has two commitments for the 2022 class. It had three commitments for the class. It had Desan McCullough. Again, where was he supposed to fit in, or where did you think he was going to fit in as far as positionally? Because you're saying if C.J. Hicks was going to be potentially a bullet mm -hmm. or potentially a, whatever, was McCullough also in that same vein? Would those two guys maybe have both been involved at that position? Where, where did you kind of see that developing? Yeah, I thought for a while before CJ kind of, you know, sprouted up in size a little bit there, that they were just going to be the two sides of that coin, right? You got the, the, the Craig Young side and you've got the Ronnie Hickman side. And I thought those would just be the two sides of that in the 2020. You saw that, you know, manifesting in the 2022 class. Now CJ's, CJ's not as big as Desan is at all. That's, I've seen them both in person. Desan's still significantly bigger than what CJ is, but I think CJ is leaning toward, towards the, the, the Craig Young sides of things and the Ronnie Hickman. Thing. But, yeah, uh, Desan McCullough was going to be – the, for all intents and purposes, the Isaiah Simmons of this, the freak 
freak the freak position the freak version of a position that's already supposed to be for freaks basically where on one possession he's rushing the next possession he's covering a tight end the next like if if you saw him like we did with pete warner on a couple snaps in 2019 as a single high safety you weren't going to lose sleep over it and just because he knew that he's he he was playing at high school in kansas he's going to play that bloomington south this up up and coming season when he was living in kansas the isaiah simmons comparison was just being thrown on him and he completely understood it so i just think he was cj hicks is a version of it and desan mccullough was probably just like the craziest most you could just do the most as far as where your imagination imagination could go with him if he was going to end up in that role that almost sounds to me like if I was a fan, that's what I want Ohio State trending towards. That's what mm-hmm. – when you start talking about that 4-2-1-4 like Isaiah Simmons didn't play a position. At, he was just Isaiah mm-hmm. Simmons. Like that's almost what I think is the, the best version of this that you can put out on the field is just a guy who – and now I think Ohio State's almost in the short term trying to recreate that concept with multiple guys, but I don't know that that is the – perfect example of this i think what you're talking about and uh, the isaiah simmonses of the world are rare and clemson yeah. uh, pulled off a coup by finding him the way it did and, and getting him and developing him but uh, that's to me like it, when i start thinking about what the bullet is it, it leans towards something like that where you're just it almost defies description you're just i don't know what we're calling that guy but he's got to be on the field so now with mccullough backing out and going to indiana how does Ohio State respond to that in the 2022 class? Does it have to respond to that in the 2022 class, especially because all these guys we're talking about as potentially being the bullet are fairly young, the ones that are on campus right now. You're already going to be adding um, Hicks potentially into that mix. You've also got a decent cluster of inside linebackers who are, are fairly young with Carrico, some of the other Cody Simon, other fairly young guys. So do they need to go get someone else to replace McCullough in 2022? I don't think they need a guy to replace what McCullough was going to be. I, I think they need a linebacker, yes, but I don't think they need the Desam McCullough-style linebacker in this class necessarily. Um, I guess they only offered eight people. I think Sean Murphy and Justin Medlock at this point are going, one of those two guys who not going to be the guy who ends up replacing Desam McCullough in this class, and that's just going to be what it is. You just, you've got your – Gabe Powers, who's probably clearly a will linebacker and might even trend towards a guy with his hand in the dirt one day. C.J. Hicks is the bullet type, uh, Craig Young, whatever. And then Sean Murphy or Justin Medlock will be like the Mike linebacker of the group, and then you just move on. And I I think the reason you don't is because you're going to just throw your all in the Sonny Styles, being that, you know – long the freak of of the freak guy in the freak position because like six four two oh five and he's 15 years old i mean he's only gonna keep growing he's he's long he's rangy he can cover when i saw him at um the under armor all-american camp series he was working with the dbs doing a uh, press man press man stuff and off coverage stuff and he was doing pretty well at it he's going to continue to grow into that body so I don't think you need in this cycle to go get whoever the other Desan McCullough is because that guy lives 15 minutes from your campus in the 2023 class and at Pickerington Central High School so I want to talk quick about the two guys you just mentioned Murphy uh, 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 Sean Murphy and Justin Medlock those were not like it's not like those are fallback options that Ohio State went and looked for after McCullough. Like Murphy, especially, they were very in on before all that. There was a time we were talking about 
are they going to get four linebackers in this class? Because when McCullough was still committed and they were pushing on him. And I think Medlock was like a different version of that. I, but Murphy was kind of – my impression was he was higher up the list. But I, why do you think that's important? Because but neither of those guys can are probably looking at this as – it'd be one thing if Ohio State had gotten completely off guard by this and now had to scramble to go find somebody. And maybe then you really are grasping at a more developmental player. But neither of these guys are that. They're guys who Ohio State was recruiting before things went sideways with McCullough. Yeah, it's almost it went from a can the rich get richer situation to hey, um, you need to just like add some something to your plate real quick because there's an open spot. So now it's not you're not overflowing your plate. You're just putting you just put your chicken on with your vegetables and your and whatever your wheat is at this point. And so that relationship with Sean Murphy in that Virginia area already exists with Al Washington. It's a very great relationship, but then also he had been building a relationship with CJ Hicks for a year and a half now, basically. So you're right. That's not starting from scratch. Neither is the Justin Medlock situation, but yet yeah, we had to rent out of Texas. But if you had to rank them just based off literally what their rankings are and what their skill sets are, Sean Murphy is clearly the number one priority here as the number 61 player. The number two inside linebacker was for a, a while, a five-star and a top inside linebacker. And then Justin Medlock's a three-star who's probably more of a developmental project. But in that order, it's one and two. And then after that, if they start offering other guys this summer after guys get on campus and they can evaluate guys, I wouldn't be shocked at that either. But right now, as things stand, these are the two guys who are undecided in the 2022 class where Ohio State has it in on and might end up in the class. So you mentioned Sonny Styles already for 2023. Before we get to him, because there's a lot of I want to talk about with the, the defensive backs and side of the, the bullet equation. But anybody else for 2023 that's a more conventional linebacker that, like, jumps to the, the front of the list for Ohio State? Right now, no. And it's because they haven't offered any. And I think some of that is, you know, we're – what three weeks or what two weeks away from being able to get kids on campus and see people so you might see a floor of these offers come out in the first two weeks of june uh but also it's just i mean look you're trying to do a reload in 2022 right now and that's probably where your focus is and you know you're probably not going to go as big on linebackers in 2023 if you're doing this in 2022 along with recruiting a new position so it, it has been a little slow for the 2023 class from that position but so right now the answer to, to that will be no we're going to come back after the break. We're going to talk about the defensive back side of this bullet equation, what hasn't worked in the past, and what Ohio State can do about that in recruiting in the future. You're listening to Buckeye Talk. Okay, we're back on Buckeye Talk, wrapping things up, talking about linebacker recruiting in the future. That includes the bullet, even though those guys are not in the linebacker room, as we mentioned before. <laughs> and one of the revelations of the spring was Ronnie Hickman now being in that bullet conversation. We knew Court Williams was. Court Williams was recruited to be a bullet. He was never really recruited to be an outside linebacker. Nobody, I don't think, ever really thought he was recruited to be a free safety. There was always going to be something in the middle that fit him better. Uh, he, from, the, from day one, I'm, I'm right, right, that he, from day mm -hmm. one, it seemed like that conversation for him was always about this thing that we've talked about and it hasn't really happened, that's you. Yeah, basically, yeah. It's he would say, yeah, this is exactly what I'm playing at St. John Bosco, and I'm just expecting to play it here. So he hasn't had a chance to get on the field yet because of injury towards ACL right before last year. So we don't know exactly how big of a role he'll have this fall. And you've got Craig Young, who we've always, already talked about. Looks like he could be, if you had to put odds on who takes the first snap as that 11th guy in the defense on the season opener, I think most people's money would be on Craig Young right now. 
Then there's the Ronnie Hickman thing. Now, this is something I don't think we talked about at the time, but I think it's something we need to address because I do think it affects if they're going to go after athletes like this in recruiting. I think Ronnie Hickman and what he does this year is huge because OSU did try the bullet once before. It kind of tried to rush into the bullet in 2019. They had a guy in Brendan White who was coming off um, a very promising 2018 defensive mm-hmm. MVP of the Rose Bowl, looked like he was a, a player in this defense. And they tried to convert him to that position. A guy who was a safety, when they went to a single high safety, that was going to take him off the field because he wasn't going to be, he didn't beat out Jordan Fuller, I guess. And they're like, well, we can turn him into this bullet thing. And it didn't happen. They either didn't feel like he did what was better at that position than Pete Werner did, or they just decided that Pete Werner could do enough other little things as an outside linebacker to make up for not going full bullet with that defense. And so then Brendan White transfers and goes and has a a solid end to his career at Rutgers and, and gets an NFL opportunity. So if it didn't work then, it's not that if it, because it didn't work then, it can't work in the future. Nobody's saying that. That would be a ridiculous thing to say. But I do feel like it's kind of important that if they're going to try this with Ronnie Hickman, and if they're going to recruit safeties or recruit guys who are a who lean defensive back to play that position, then Hickman and, and to a lesser extent Williams, because he was already kind of projected as that, I think those are important guys this year. If you can prove that they really have a role in the defense – because if you're going to try to go talk some of these defensive backs that you want into coming here to be that bullet, you've got to demonstrate that they can do that on the field. We've talked about that with some other positions, you know, um, tight end, I guess, maybe jumps out. Like they don't get a lot of Jeremy Ruckerts here in part because those guys don't get showcased in the offense. You've got it to some extent. I think it'll be up to Ronnie Hickman, I guess, but like those guys who are coming from the defensive back background to kind of prove themselves, as being a big factor in this defense for that to keep paying off in the future. Yeah. I, the question with the Roddy Hickman side is what is he? Because if is it a situation where it's Craig Young side is the bullet for the first and second down, and then you go with Ronnie Hickman on third down, or is Ronnie Hickman just like your second safety as and now you've got yeah, – and then along with whoever the slot corner is, whether it's Lathan Ransom or Cam Martinez, it's what is that side? Because I think even though we know it's two sides of it, I think we know more about heads than we do tails right now in terms of, okay, this is what it is. This is how they're going to recruit it. Here's some of the recruits who are going to be it. With Ronnie Hickman, I mean, it, it, by that logic, if they get Zion Branch, Zion Branch and, and Xavier Nugpa in the 2022 class, are they just going to put 10 pounds on one of those two guys? And so now one of them is a single high safety and the other one's the safety version of the bullet, you know, in the 2023 class with, you know, Caleb Downs and, you know, Elliot Washington, are they going to just put t- do the same thing there where one of them is going to be a single high safety and the other one you throw 10 pounds on them and they're basically a strong safety bullet, whatever you want to call it. So the, it's, it's almost a question that we can't really answer until Minnesota because you can only show but so much in practice when you're trying to get those guys equal reps. And we saw them doing a lot of the same things where we saw Ronnie Hickman, you know, 
covering caged over and I completely forgot that the bullet was a thing and said, man, why is that happening? Oh yeah, it's because he's the bullet because you're just, you, I don't think we're wired there yet with the safety version of it. And so for right now, it's, it's easy to say, okay, Sonny Styles, who's listed as a safety, but he's built like Craig Young is going to be a bullet. It's not as easy to do it with guys like Bryce Anderson, Zion Brands, and Xavier Nakba. So it's, it is kind of, even with Court Williams, right? Like he's, playing in the safety room that's where the room he's in because he's going to be a bullet but he was listed as an outside linebacker coming out of high high school so it is going to be i think it's it's an interesting conversation that i think is going to when we come back to it after the minnesota game and we see what the snap breakdown is between ronnie hickman and craig young we'll be be better able to answer that question of this is how we should be looking at safeties who are probably going to end up projecting to the position that ronnie hickman is playing I think it might even take more games than that because it will be a little bit situational. And and Minnesota is a Minnesota's a fairly balanced offense. They've got a, a really strong running back, and then they've obviously got a quarterback. They need to replace their receiver talent, but so maybe that maybe that actually tells us more. Like, is, is it, does it look more conventional that they're putting that? And then it, that does start to look like a four-two-five to me. Or mm-hmm. or but then it's almost just like your most people's nickel defense, right? You just have two safeties on the field. So I don't know. It, it, we're going to probably – I think the important part will be not to get too bogged down in that terminology, and it's just about which 11 guys did you have on the field and who cares what you called them, but which 11 guys helped you defend that play the best and, and not worry about you know positional specificity and stuff like that. You mentioned Sonny Styles a couple times. Like, from your conversations, it sounds like they've, they've talked to him already. I mean, that's, they've said already that's what you're going to be. When you get to Ohio State, you're not going to be a high safety. You're going to be this new whatever position. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's 100 percent going to play that. He's playing it at Pickerington Central already. He's being developed to do that. And so he knows that. And so that's how he is developing now. And that's what makes it easier when you're talking to kids who are already doing it. Right. And so, yeah, 100 percent. He's going to be the bullet version of this. He's going to be watching Craig Young all this year. So I think that wraps up the linebacker bullet discussion. What, where do we stand? Um, we're coming up on the Buckeye bash, right? Like any developments on that and who else high States expecting to pull in for that big, well, it's not really, I guess theirs, but like the big recruiting extravaganza. Uh, yeah. I mean, the list just keeps growing of people coming. I think the, the most significant big ad now is Zach Rice, the number one tackle in the country. And obviously that's now a offensive guy to watch. Tackle. Yeah. Wow. Offensive tackle. That would be a, that would be amazing if he was playing both sides of the ball, but even though he would never do that at Ohio State. That, that's now it's a guy to watch, right? Guys like him, Amaria Boer, who's had Oklahoma crystal ball since October. Can they use this event to swing that momentum? Even though they are still in the running for JT Tumala, the five star defensive end in the 2021 class, Ohio State has not gotten five star defensive ends in back to back classes since Nick Bosa in 2016 and the Chase in 2017. And I might be wrong about this, but that seemed to work out pretty well for them when they got them here on campus. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what the bar arguably. is for pretty well. Yeah, just arguably. So if they let, we're talking about a situation here, if Ohio State has its way, it has Jack Sawyer and JT Tumalau in the twenty twenty one classes, the number two and number three defensive end in the country, and then they go get Amari Abor as the number twenty one player and the number two defensive end in the twenty twenty two class. That's asking a lot. But I'm not going to – listen, this is Larry Johnson we're talking about. So him, Zach Rice, Zion Brand, Savior, Nopo, the list just keeps growing of people where when we leave that event, we should be on commit watch. 
And I think especially near the top when you're talking about some of these top 100 guys. Caleb Brown, I'll throw him in there as well as potentially the third wide receiver in the class. You are going to be heading to Atlanta next month to do some recruiting recon. Tell people about that. Yeah, I'm headed to the Rivals five-star challenge in Atlanta, Georgia, the East version of it, but I'm pretty sure there will be some Western guys there as well. And it's pretty much like the All-American camp I went to about a month ago, except it's bigger. It's every four, five-star, top 100 guy you can think of, every important Ohio State commit, every important Ohio State target will be down there. And so it's just – it's it's just it's 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 like Rome after the Big Ten championship game. It's just media galore and how many you can just talk to anybody about anything. You get to see a lot of these people in person and see how they've physically grown, what their game looks like. You can get, get great analysis out of that. So I'll be texting off of that. Obviously, we'll probably do a BFF off of that. And it's just a lot of information can come off of that just because you're around these guys and it's not just phone conversations anymore. So that'll be about a month from now. I think it's exactly one month from now that he'll be going down for that. Those of you, he just mentioned the text. We have every day the Hey Steven question and answer five days a week. uh, That's all just recruiting text. Obviously, we text you first when recruiting news happens. We have other recruiting updates that will sprinkle in uh, really seven days a week. Try the text 614-350-3315. Two-week free trial, $3.99 a month after that. And really, this is what your $3.99 pays for. Like, it costs money to put Steven on a plane and send him down there and find vegan food for him to eat for a couple days. Like, those things, it's not cheap. You guys have been to Whole Foods. It's not cheap. Um, that's what your tax subscriptions pay for. It's, it's, it's not just going into our pockets. It helps us do things like that. And we really appreciate those of you who have signed up and subscribed and um, we hope that you're seeing the value there and we're trying to enhance that value. So Stephen, uh, along with the, Hey, Stephen questions, anything else coming up the pike from, from a recruiting, uh, perspective, what, what are we going to have at cleveland.com slash OSU or cleveland.com slash Buckeye talk? Yeah. In the coming months, just look out for the five-star series. I kind of did something similar with it heading into signing day with Jack Sawyer, uh, Jaden Ballard and Kyle, and Kyle McCord. I know Jaden Ballard wasn't a five-star, but he's an Ohio guy who's a top 100 recruit. Uh, just look out for that. Ohio State's got some five-stars already. Quinn Ewers, Caleb Burton, Jaheim Singletary, C.J. Hicks. So just I, I think it's always interesting. And that's three. Di- that's four different stories of how they ended up in Ohio, as Ohio State commits, and they're all equally important to this class. So look out for that in the coming months. Which also, yeah, the text – Signing up for the text house page for that, too, because a lot of those guys will be in Atlanta. There you go. Direct correlation, as they say. That is going to wrap up today's BFF podcast. Join us tomorrow for more Ohio State football goodness. But until then, I'm Nathan Baird. He's Stephen Means. That was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.